Thank you, team. If you would turn to John chapter 20 for our scripture reading. John chapter 20. Beginning at verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they had not understood the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Amen. Now, if you would turn over to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. Three, Lamentations is right after the book of Jeremiah. So if you turn to Jeremiah and go one more book, you'll find Lamentations. There is an ancient practice in Christianity It is called Tenebrae, a service of Tenebrae. 
And during the week leading up to Resurrection Sunday, the services are called Tenebre in this ancient practice. Every day of that week, a candle is put out from the many candles, one by one, until there is only one candle remaining. The final candle is called the Christ candle. Tenebre means darkness, and it is a picture of the darkness of the crucifixion. And on the sixth hour, there was darkness until the ninth hour. And the Christ candle doesn't go out. It is not put out. In the service leading up to Resurrection Sunday, the candle is hidden. Some churches will move it. Some will put it behind something to hide the Christ candle. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light of the world who died for our sins, and he's placed in the darkness of the tomb. And then, symbolically, the Bible is closed with a loud bang. which is symbolic in the service of Tenebre of the closing of the tomb, of the stone rolling in front and sealing in Jesus. Since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. But in him was life, and the life was the light of man. And so on early Resurrection Sunday, the Christ candle is brought out. He lives. Dark than light, night than morning, crucifixion than resurrection, weeping than joy, death than glory. In the book of Lamentations, where you have turned to, this book is read during the Tenebre services leading up to Easter Sunday. This book is said to be written by Jeremiah, traditionally understood to be written by him. It certainly fits with the deep emotion that Jeremiah would show and the tears that, he would, that, that would pour out of him as the nation faced the justice of God. The Book of Lamentations is a series of five poems. And these poems are called laments. They're called dirges. They're gloomy. They're sad. They're awful. In fact, the Book of Lamentations has been called the literature of catastrophe. The literature of suffering. It describes the collapse of Jerusalem as Nebuchadnezzar has surrounded it and 
and the awful things that were going in this, on in the city as they laid siege to it, and, and then the destruction and taking the people into Babylon, into exile in 586 BC. It's a book filled with atrocities, filled with grief, filled with tears. It's a book of sadness. And any who have grieved, and some of you have grieved deeply, some of you carry a deep sadness in your life, perhaps because you have messed up, perhaps because you have sinned. This is a book for you. This book is saturated in tears. Look at verse 16 of chapter 1. For these things I weep. Verse 16, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. For my children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Chapter 2, verse 11, my eyes are spent with weeping, my stomach churns, my bile is poured out to the ground. He's throwing up is what he's describing with the awfulness of what he's experiencing. If you have ever bent over a letter or struggled to write some words in your journal when tears are flowing, you know those tears fall onto the page and they make the page wet. As you express the pain of your soul and sometimes you don't even know when the tears might come. They, they come unexpectedly. You don't even know why suddenly you're crying or as you remember some things or as you try and push some memories away, the emotions that are so raw and the grief and the loss is so great. Jeremiah is lamenting a tragedy and a disaster that's entirely of their own making. It's of their own making. Their rebellion against God, their idolatries with Baal, Ashtaroth, Moloch, their immoralities and their oppression. And they're living like God doesn't see and God doesn't hear and they're mocking God. And God had warned them repeatedly and now his justice falls. God has had enough and he acts in judgment. Look at chapter 3 and verse 37. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Verse 39, why should a living man complain, a man about the punishment of his sins? In the book of Job, which is a book about suffering, Job wrestles with the question, why does God allow suffering when I've done nothing wrong? Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations is wrestling with suffering. But it's a different question. He's asking, how can we endure God's justice when we have done everything wrong? 
Lamentations has guilt on every page. It is full of guilt. Verse 18 of chapter 1. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. All you people see my suffering, he says. Verse 22, that all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. Chapter 3, look there in verse 42. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven Chapter 4 and verse 13. This was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. This book of Lamentations, the book of catastrophe, is read leading up to, to Easter Sunday for three main reasons in the Tenebrae service. The first reason it's read is because before the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus prophesied about another coming destruction of Jerusalem. He said this as he came into the city, he wept over it. And he said, would that even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes for the days come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side, he says. And they will tear down to the ground and you and your children, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You didn't recognize the, the Messiah. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. And so he prophesies about another awful destruction of Jerusalem, just like the book of Lamentations did. And the same despair, the same grief, and the same destruction will be endured and encountered by the Jewish nation because of their rejection of Jesus. Secondly, Lamentations is read in the Tenebrae service because it is full of what Colin Smith calls whispers of Jesus. There are all sorts of whispers of Jesus and his suffering in this book. Lamentation says this, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And you remember the gospel says, where Jesus says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Lamentation says, I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the objects of their taunts all day long. And the Gospels tell us how they twisted a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and kneeling before him, they mocked him. They said, hail king of the Jews. Lamentation says he was driven and brought me into darkness without any light. 
And as Jesus hung on the cross, we know from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And Lamentation says this, though I call and cry for help, he shuts shuts out my prayer. And the gospel tells us, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lamentations chapter 3, it says, I am the man who has seen affliction in verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction. And in John 19, where Pilate spoke to the crowd, he said, behold, the man. Lamentations 3.19, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. The book of Matthew says they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And so these whispers of Jesus and his suffering are throughout the book of Lamentations. And this is one of the three reasons why it's read in the Tenebrae service. The first is because the the second destruction of Jerusalem was coming as Jesus prophesied. The second reason was because of the whispers of Jesus' suffering. And then there is the third reason. The third reason Because in the midst of such suffering, such despair and grief and loss, something amazing happens. Something amazing happens. Look at chapter 3. Unexpectedly, in verse 21 and 22 and 23, but this I called to mind. He's just said, my soul is bowed down, but he says, I call this to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, he says to God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. In in the midst of this book, in the midst of the poems, this, this morning brings hope new every morning. Morning hope. He says in verse 21, I have hope. Verse 24, therefore, I will hope in him. Morning hope is grounded in his in God's continual love and mercies. He says his mercies never come to an end. That word mercies is a word that's used sometimes to depict a woman's womb and the safety of the womb. He says, I'm safe in God. His love, the steadfast love of the Lord, it never Ceases, And then morning hope is grounded in the faithfulness of God. Great is your faithfulness, he says to God himself. That word faithfulness is a root of the word amen, which we say at the end of a prayer, which means so be it. God has said it, he will do it. Morning hope is completely, lavishly reliable in every way, in his love and his mercy and his faithfulness. And sometimes it takes 
the bottom falling out of your life to remember this and to learn this once again, that he's amazing, that he's awesome, that despite our sins, our unfaithfulness, that he is wonderful. Verse 24, the Lord, that's Yahweh, is my portion, says my soul. This is the portion of scripture from which the hymn writer wrote, great is thy faithfulness. It is mourning that brought the disciples to the tomb of Jesus. It's mourning that brought Mary to the tomb. It's mourning after the despair and the grief and the loss and the seeming disaster of the death of Christ. It is mourning that brought them to the tomb where they laid him. They were at the tomb early in the morning, the scripture says, on the first day of the week at early dawn. You see, something amazing happened that morning. Jesus laid in the tomb, rose from the dead, glorified. And this is why Lamentations is read leading up to Resurrection Sunday. This is why we grieve not as others who have no hope. This is why we can endure. This is why we can be renewed even in our suffering, in our loss, in our grief. Sometimes what we're going through, we think there's nobody who suffers more than me. <laughs> Listen to what the writer Jeremiah says. He says, look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fear, saying, there's nobody who has more sorrow than me, Jeremiah says. Yes, there was. Jesus, our Lord. Something awesome happens in the morning. New mercies every morning. He arose. Hope, love, Faithfulness, salvation, forgiveness of sins, all found in the risen Savior so that every morning, no matter what happens in our life and what we must endure, and sometimes it's because of our own doing that we endure it. No matter what happens in Christ, we are safe. Every morning begins a glorious day, a glorious day. Won't you admit your own sin and your own guilt? You will face the consequences of your transgressions and your disobedience and your forgetfulness of God unless you repent. Won't you ask him to forgive you? He will forgive you through the blood of his son, Jesus the Christ. He says in verse 40, of chapter three, let us test and examine our ways 
and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Return to the Lord. The psalmist says, weeping may last for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Even in the darkest times, hope remains. Hope in your mind and your soul. I mean, what a day we live in. It seems like our country has gone mad in so many ways. But as the sun breaks through the dark clouds, or the light floods through the crack of the door, hope comes in. You know, my dog finds where the sun shines in the window, and he likes to curl up there and rest. We rest where the hope shines through, where the light never goes out, we rest in Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are our portion. You are faithful and true. And we know that we are sinful and, and much in our life we endure because of our own fallenness and our own waywardness. Forgive us our sins. Refresh us and renew us in Jesus Christ. And all of the things that we go through and so many things bring us such sadness and grief and despair. And yet we go to bed and we get up in the morning and there are new mercies, and there is a glorious day. Our Savior lives, and we will live too with him as he promised. We pray, Father, that each one here this morning would know Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, as their Savior and Lord, and put their hope and trust in him in this, in this life that is so unstable and uncertain and so messed up. We pray, Lord, that each would find forgiveness for their sins in Christ and follow him as Lord and Savior. And so, Father, with joy in our heart, we know he has risen, just as he said, darkness and light, night and morning, grief and gladness, sackcloth and robes, cross then resurrection, weeping then joy, death then glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.